Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi friends, it's Sarah May. This is an episode about what to do when you have feelings you don't want to have. It could be something that sets up a chain reaction. First, the feelings of hate or desire or insecurity, then the shame, then the guilt, then the loop of feeling crabby about yourself and being confused about why you feel this way. All that just compounds it so it becomes a bigger and bigger deal and you don't know why. So I'm writing this for all different kinds of situations. Um, I sort of base it mostly around anger, but it applies to all. So hopefully if you're suffering, you will get a little bit of relief um, for yourself and those you love. So with that, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Let's do this. Part one, the what. So when you feel something you really don't want to feel, and maybe you conceptually cannot understand why you feel it. For example, let's say you feel intense hate for your child, or your mother, or your spouse, or maybe it's desire, or maybe it's jealousy, or maybe it's uh, resent, or a feeling of being threatened by them. Whatever it is, it's completely inconvenient because maybe you care about this person and you really hate the fact that you feel this way. It doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't align with who you are or what you want. And you wish it would just go away. And maybe you don't want to feel this way so much and you're embarrassed about the fact that you feel that way. So you start trying to block it and pretend that this is not happening or you try and um, suppress it and it just starts to get worse. Maybe then you begin to uh, act out and explode, or um, it's something that's making distance between you. Like you can feel that this feeling is there, and you're trying to do things to not allow it to act out, but it's just it's creating distance. And then you probably start feeling guilty and ashamed that you feel this way, and still just confused because if this, then that. If I feel this way, then I must hate this person. So this guilt is then too intense, and then it just compounds the feeling because you know it's not right to feel this way. So you feel like a shitty person because it's not okay. So then you start the shame cycle, and the shame is the most toxic and intense feeling to feel. That is the self-eroding emotion that will start to make you believe you are a different person than you truly are. Shame is what creates a separate self, one you hide 
that you don't trust and you don't really want to know. Or two, the why. I find that the most confusing feelings uh, that conflict with who you are and what you want are the two-sided coins um, that reveal an imbalance, something that's unconscious. So, For example, uh, rage is the other side of the coin of powerlessness and vulnerability. So the feelings that we don't want to have are usually tied to an imbalance in our life, and this is rearing its head because it's something that we're not aware of or we've been neglecting. Or it's something old that you cut off um, some long, long time ago, something that you found intolerable in yourself. So it's something that feels like it really cannot exist in your life or that you're not allowed to feel because of how it threatens um, your sense of self or your sense of identity. So it, it can't be something you feel. It can't be something uh, you experience because of something you've learned in the past. So that thing, that makes it so much more intense when you feel whatever is triggering you. So let's say it's neediness. Like the fact that that has been something that has been cut off will make you extremely sensitive to that thing. Um, and whenever it comes close to you, it'll kind of create this explosion or this um, exacerbated result. So when we resist feelings, we give them more power. We give them meaning because we're resisting them. We're acting based on them. We're avoiding something. So if something is confusing to us and we don't like it and, and we start to push it away, that act makes it into something real, makes it into something meaningful. Like, why am I getting so defensive? That must be something serious. Why am I feeling so jealous? That must mean something in me. Why, why is that? Like, that act, it's just the mental process, gives validity to something just that we're doing kind of unconsciously. So if that feeling is anger or hate, anger is actually a Band-Aid for something that is um, more intense and it's a bigger emotion that is more ego-destabilizing, and that is fear. And I know what you're thinking. I feel no fear at all. I just feel hate or I just feel anger. But that's because it's a very uh, old, latent, subconscious process. It's actually a, a mechanism that we do to self-soothe, just to get angry. Science has shown that anger is actually chemically a self-soothing mechanism. So usually it's something we do in the face of feelings of anxiety or vulnerability or when we feel needy um, and we, like, we don't want to feel needy. Um, if we feel unlovable or we feel unimportant, all those icky, uncomfortable feelings that make us feel small are the things that anger soothes because anger numbs. It gives you like a high. So if this is like a regular setting you're going through, it's probably a sign of underlying intolerance to powerlessness. Like you cannot allow yourself to feel powerless. Um, and a lot of that trigger or that feeling is the inability to accept that you have the feeling to begin with. So it's a reaction to a reaction. It's like a, it's very layered. I know it's, it's like you won't even be able to feel that this is happening, but it's because um, it's so subconscious. But regardless, 
it creates a vicious cycle. When you feel vulnerable or needy, you get pissed off about it, and uh, that kind of like resets this feeling of powerlessness in the face of the emotions. Like, why am I doing this? Why, where is this coming from? Am I a bad person? Why do I hate my family? Why do I hate my child? Why do I... Uh, all that stuff. It's all like anxiety triggering and um, shame triggering and especially when it's somebody we care about. But when it comes to any of those feelings, they are not that simple. It's not just about, why do I hate this person? You don't hate that person. Even if you really feel hatred, all of those emotions are complex and they're layered. And that's because they are triggers. Emotions themselves can be triggers. So think of it not about the person or the exact situation. It is about what that person is triggering in you with their feelings or the feelings that are being conjured in you. So how do you tell what is being triggered in you? Well, here's a little bit of background on some of what comes up for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people are triggered by neediness or clinginess. And that is often because it triggers a fear of something we have learned is dangerous or is unacceptable. For example, if you're a child and you want desperately love or soothing from a parent and then and they're like, man the fuck up, then you'd be like, note to self, don't ever be weak, ever. That will be something over time in childhood. You'll block out and say like, I'm never going to be weak. I don't know why I'm doing that accent. Could be, let's just use my regular voice. I'm not going to be weak. Couldn't help it. Just had to do a deeper voice. Anyway, if we have an intolerance that we learn about uh, an emotion that we're not supposed to feel, it could be from modeling a parent. It could be from a parent hating on us for doing something. Um, usually we'll just push that away from our consciousness. And then we'll just be like, uh, I am an almighty child and I don't have feelings. I am not vulnerable. I was like that. I never cried ever in childhood. I just decided I was not going to. And that is, it doesn't mean that goes away. It just means it's uh, like the neediness and vulnerability doesn't go away. It just is subverted. It's away from your uh, line of vision but it still exists in you. So when we have hatred for something like vulnerability, it's usually coming from a hatred in ourself of that thing um, or a fear of what that thing means. Like, that's dangerous. You can't feel that. So if somebody else is doing that, let's say somebody else is acting needy, if we hate them for that, that is because we have learned to hate that trait. So if you're finding this reaction... For yourself, you might want to look deeper at just like slow down the process frame by frame, like you're watching it in slow motion, and just examine the texture of what this feeling reminds you of. Maybe it's an intolerance of another person. What does it remind you? What's the, the quality or the texture or the memory? Like what's the, I guess, emotional memory of this feeling? Um, when did you learn to feel this way about something? What what does it kind of tie to just in your imagination? Because um, it could be something you learned to hate or fear in yourself. There is also a 
a lot of people have a resistance or um, hatred of when people get too close for to, for comfort. Like when somebody comes too close to you with affection and love, and suddenly this is, this will be so subconscious or so like deep within. But if you're really really happy, or somebody is like becoming really close to you and expressing how much they love you, that can be a really big trigger for a lot of people, where they'll notice themselves themselves starting to hate that person because they express love for them, and that's confusing because you're watching yourself like hate somebody and push them away and express all this anger towards them. Um, but it's actually deeper than that. The feeling that is being triggered is a feeling of anxiety or um, usually that anxiety is something like um, powerlessness. Like I'm, I don't have control and I might lose this person or a feeling of intimacy itself, of just connection and love and closeness can feel very dangerous. And that fear is something you're soothing with anger. Anger gives you a sense of control. It is much more safe um, than anxiety. Anxiety is like extreme discomfort. And so when you feel anger, it gives you like the reins and it, it also creates a ruse. It's an immediate solution for you to focus on that is not your feelings of anxiety. So it, it creates distance, and it creates something that's within your control. It's suddenly this conflict. It's the thing I was pissed about. Ah, you always do that thing. Like that creates this distraction that allows you to get immediate safety. It's like all of these mechanisms are for survival, and you can almost examine them from afar as though you're animals on the plane, you know, running around like, here, I'm going to throw this rock, chase the rock, I'm going to run away. Like, it's exactly the same thing. It's for survival. But it'll happen on such a strange level of consciousness that you'll be like, why did I do that? So, additionally, this is another weird side of anger. If you find yourself spontaneously provoking somebody um, or creating fights with somebody who is emotionally distant, uh, that is also a way to force intimacy. It's a way to force connection. So if you notice yourself starting to provoke somebody and they're not giving you attention or they're, you feel like they're far away, that might be a trigger for you because you're forcing them to come closer to you by engaging them in something. It's a way to like bring a relationship back together because you're like, you know, it's like a kid falling on the ground and throwing a tantrum. Like, the parents have to come and pick them up and carry them away. Like, that's a, a way to get your way in many ways. Wait, 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 wait. Um, and all of these mechanisms are things that we learn and we adapt. And we, we are using them as tools to suppress certain things. So we're suppressing... Um, something in us like when we use these feelings like as a as a, a band-aid or a way to alleviate some sort of situation when they come out of nowhere they are actually serving uh to express something different that is underneath it something is not seen to you that lies beneath that surface so it's not about what the act the acting out is you know so it's something different something deeper. So we all have um, kind of unconscious 
baggage and triggers that are beneath the surface. And when we don't address them, or for example, if you're in a like a situation where you're constantly kind of managing and being the person you want to be and like completely in control and everything is awesome, and suddenly you find yourself being feeling like uh, super resentful or super angry all the time, it's like that can signal that there is a chronic imbalance that's finally just hit a breaking point that you had no idea was even there. So it just means it signals like, hey, I need some attention. I'm your insides. Come and check me out. So when it comes to a child, like if you're hating on a child or you're feeling weird things towards a child, that I know is like the most upsetting thing. I don't have kids, but I assume that that's really upsetting because I feel like that towards my dog and that upsets me, my new dog. I hate feeling bad things for a dog because the dog is adorable, but I digress. I wasn't going to talk about the dog. When it comes to a child, there is a possible other set of um, things coming up. So this might be news to you, but um, our coping skills uh, and whatever parenting we learned from our parents, like whatever our, our style of teaching kids, whatever we lack or we have in abundance, will not necessarily be inherited from our parents only. Sometimes it skips a generation. So, for example, your parents might have compensated for the extreme violence and uh, neglect of their parents, but it will actually show up in you. So you, like, literally in a family tree sense, there is a loop that is created, and if it's if something doesn't repeat in your parent, there's a strong likelihood it's showing up in you. Because if somebody doesn't do work they need in therapy to undo, like, kind of damage or the cycle of something, it repeats. So if you are co- finding yourself doing things that you, like, have no idea why you're doing them, and you're like, why am I this terrible human being, and your parents were great parents, just... You might want to look into that in therapy. Also check out the book, Intimate Partners by Maggie Scarf. I'm obsessed with it. I talk about it all the time. But this is give, kind of gives you a starting point to look at that. And it'll be just in like the way, um, you know, almost like you're creating like a cookie cutter. It's like there are certain things that will repeat completely on an unconscious level just via what you inherit from your family tree. So to recap, if you are experiencing another set of feelings toward another person that you don't want to feel, know that a large majority of the intensity and the bigness of that to you comes from how you feel about having the emotion itself. It's not the, um, it's not the thing. It's just you, how you feel around the thing. So the most important takeaway from this why is remember that this feeling you're having is an emotional trigger. There's something bigger than this relationship that is unconscious, and it might not even belong to you. So the key is to honor it and confront it so that you don't allow it to compromise your life. In addition, it's important to recognize the feelings when they come up and know that they exist so that you can deal with them. Um, for example, just naming. Pra- the practice of naming when they come up and recognizing and pointing at the feeling, like raging, like that 
immediately reduces the power of the feeling just to, to give it a name, just immediately takes it out of the, holy fuck, why is this happening? Because whatever those feelings are, they are understandable. They don't make you a bad person. And there are things that lots of people feel. And they're totally natural. And the more you can look at them, the better they become just what they are. They're feelings, not actions. You are what you do, not what you think. So the most important step is to first have compassion for yourself. And second, take actions based on this truth. Just got to take back the reins on who you are. Which brings me to part three, the tools. So the first one I have is called, Who pulled the trigger? Whoever pulled the trigger is in the grassy knoll. (laughs) So this is basically, you know, in the Kennedy assassination, you've got to look to the grassy knoll. If you just exploded or something like is upsetting you and you're feeling this thing and you don't understand yourself, break it down, look at all the evidence, look at the photos of all the different places and like who is in that grassy knoll. What was the instance? What triggered it? What is the thing that made you feel what specific way? So just literally transcribe all of the evidence, like break down frame by frame everything that happened. Because once you have that list, you can start to dissect the, all the ingredients. Like this is when this comes up for me. It's when I am feeling uh, like low on blood sugar, unattractive, tired, overworked, like all of those things are, are key pieces of information because you're going to be better able to plan around all of what's creating this. It's like knowing your trigger zone. For example, maybe it starts with a feeling of longing and desire. And then immediately after that, you feel unattractive and that makes you feel desperate and insecure and then immediately you get claustrophobic because you feel like you have no power and then after that it turns into depression and then that turns into shame and then that turns into acting out in ways that you're like I don't feel good about myself so all of those stages go into this result and if you can recognize it comes up when I feel desire then you can say all right, how, how can I alter this? And maybe you're doing it with your partner. Maybe you're doing it with somebody else that's going to help you um, co-conspire. You know, when I feel this, this emotion, what can I do to change the chain reaction that's created? Or what needs attention in me? Maybe that means I need to do some work on myself because I have issues around sex. All of this is totally cool, normal, healthy work, and it doesn't mean you have to go a bajillion miles back in history. It just means like you walk in a therapist's office and you say, hey, this is my trigger. Let's work on this. And then you figure out some solutions. It doesn't have to take forever. So when it comes to old, I would say 99% of this stuff comes from old baggage or like just unseen old uh, emotional blips. And it's just like a repeated loop um, that's being triggered. Or it comes from fear. And usually that's a fear of not being loved or a fear of being vulnerable, like an extreme discomfort we feel with that thing. Tool number two, uh, find, find the same branches on the family tree. Well, basically look at your family tree for any patterns. If there is a trait that you are enacting um, that doesn't feel right to you, 
and it's confusing to you, there's just check in your family tree to see if it was possibly something that happened in a with a parent or a grandparent. Because if so, a lot of that work needs to be done with a therapist, just kind of digging up the roots and at the very least becoming fully aware of it and how uh, it works in you. But most of all, just an understanding that it's not your fault. I know this sounds crazy or unlikely, but it's definitely a thing. We inherit behavioral loops from family. We repeat habits even if we didn't live them. So you just owe it to yourself to look deeper um, because behaviors that confuse you and don't align with you, they are are just flags that are waving. They're signaling dynamics, um, things that are unconscious. So at the very least, this would be, the family tree would be a starting point for some greater understanding. Tool number three, keep that mogwai out of water. That's a movie reference. So just like the movie Gremlins, Gizmo is the cutest pet ever. But you can't get it in water. Otherwise, it turns into a gremlin, a really gross one. So this is how I want you to think about these feelings you're having. Because first, you've got to acknowledge that they exist. You've got to know what you're working with. You've got to say to yourself, like, all right, I can't get the gremlin in water. I can't be in this situation or I can't get to this point. Um, I need to think about a workaround for myself in that moment so I can help myself not get, you know, ragey. So whatever it is, you got to name those feelings, like whatever your trigger feelings are. Recognize what they are, what they're made of, what brings them up, when they come up, and then understand that they are human. You are human. You can still have this adorable pet and be happy. You just have to know what you're working with parameters-wise. That's the most important part. You've just got to take the right steps to manage them so they don't take away from your life and your decision-making. Because when we get into our reactive self, like when you suppress things and you ignore them, those things drive you. Then you just start finding yourself like acting out. We get primitive. And that's when we are not in alignment with ourself. That's when we're not becoming the person we are. And that's when we do things that kind of change who we are because we hurt ourselves. And that's when we perpetuate the shame and it just becomes this like reinforced loop. So that's why so much of the cure to this will be honesty and light, like shining a light on it, giving your emotions an outlet, recognizing that even though you hate them, they're there and they're not, they don't make you evil. They're common. And then just making sure that you're addressing underlying triggers that cause them or that initiate them so you can help yourself. Tool number four, strategize for love. So this might be kind of a no-brainer, but I got to say it anyway. Throw everything you can think of at this problem. Because it's fine to have the feelings, but it's not fine to not do something about them, especially if they're hurting your life and hurting others. You really have to take steps, starting right now, around changing something so that it's not continuing to guide your life. Because when you, when you can't figure out solutions or something keeps affecting you, it just keeps you feeling trapped. 
that's when you f- you start to learn helplessness. You start to feel frustrated and you start to feel like you can't do anything to change it. And instead of taking actions, you start to just suffer and feel really terrible. And then like just life closes in on you. So just start by throwing some thinking against this. You can empower yourself to deal in like just as many unique different ways as possible. It's just about throwing a lot of work at something at once. So just start by knowing your triggers and then make a game plan. And maybe for you that's therapy or maybe that's warning your spouse. Maybe it's talking to a friend that you trust so that somebody else can know all the crazy shit that's going on in your head. I mean, that's a huge, huge relief. Just something that simple is just allowing yourself to not feel ashamed and alone. Maybe that's going to a help group. Maybe that's changing your trigger zones. Like, for example, you're changing who does the dishes at the end of the really long day after work, or you get what I mean. So those are my tools. And I hope you got something good out of them. And before I close, I wanted to thank so many people, so many awesome new people. Brandy, fuck my brains out. No, sorry, that's not appropriate. Your incredibly generous donation blew my mind. I was so thankful. Thank you so much. And Lindsay, thank you for joining me on Patreon. You're awesome. So, so excited. And Justin, who just became a monthly sponsor, you rock. I heart you. So grateful to everybody. Every day I'm like, yay, I'm so blessed and I love everybody. You make my day. All of my sponsors make my day. Thank you. And if anybody has anyone out there that they think could benefit from this, please, please share it. It helps me um, continue to do this. So in closing, when you feel conflicted about something, it's because it doesn't align with who you are. That is, the hurt is the truth of you. The reason it hurts is because it's showing you it hurts you. It's, it's actually highlighting the difference of where your true self is versus the situation that is happening to you. The most important in all of what I've said, have compassion for yourself and don't blame yourself. There's a, a logical reason for everything. All feelings are normal and they're just feelings. We all have them. And a lot of the time they're really ugly. And that's the reason that, you know, They are just feelings. It's like they move through us and they don't have to guide what we do. Never forget that. They don't exist unless you act on them. So what what you've got to do is confront them so that they don't infect you and your life and who you know you are. So help yourself to be aligned with who you choose to become. Often there's just an obsession around the feelings that upset us the most. So if you find yourself fixating on something and you can't let it go and it's really torturing you, to me that just shows that you are fixating on it because it hurts you so much and you don't like it so much. It's speaking to the opposite. It's not because it's who you are. It's because it's opposite who you are and what you believe. So the fact that you arrived on this podcast, for example, shows me that you are not, in fact, the person you are afraid to become. We are tortured by things that don't sit right with us. So let that be a light that guides you to the solution, solutions that are right for you. And yes, there is one. 
but everything takes work and research and customizing. So it's just about reaching out, going through the motions, Googling a whole ton of stuff, and trying a bunch of things until you find what cocktail works for you. Also, know that there are certain conditions and life stages and constraints and uh, when we're stretched, a lot of things can bring up a lot of stuff in us. And it doesn't mean it's the new you or it's you forever. It just means that something needs a little bit more compassion and a little bit more attention and some time invested in getting to the bottom of it. We are all changing all the time and we are all malleable. Just try not to waste time on the worrying and guilt part of it because it's way better to place all of your energy into the action and positive change part. So with that, I send you my love and uh, smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.